Going through a divorce is daunting and can make you feel financially vulnerable. Ampla Finance can help. Unlike other loans, there's no need for any ongoing monthly repayments. You're only charged loan interest on the amount of money used to pay your solicitor's fees as your case progresses, and the easy-to-use online tool keeps you in full control throughout the process. Your loan is normally repaid in full when you reach settlement, so between now and then, you have peace of mind that the cost of your divorce won't impact your day-to-day -day needs. Ampla Finance puts you at the heart of everything they do and can help you to make the fresh start you're looking for. To find out more, click the link in the podcast description or visit www.amplifinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Smart Divorce Podcast. This podcast is for you if you're thinking of separating, already separated or going through divorce. My name is Tamsin Kane and I'm a Chartered Financial Planner. We'll speak to some fantastic specialists who can help you to get through your divorce, hopefully amicably, and start your new chapter positively. Now over to today's guest. Hi, and welcome to the Smart Divorce Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Sue Brooks of Mills and Reeve. Hi, Sue. Hi, Tamsin. So do you want to start by introducing yourself and, and telling the listeners a little bit about what you do? So I am a family solicitor, collaborative lawyer and family mediator that is based at Milton Reeve in Manchester. And my job is really to help anyone deal with family law issues, whether it is helping them from a wealth protection perspective, at the start of a relationship or during a relationship, or helping them deal with the issues they need to sort out if the relationship is broken down. Fantastic. So we're going to talk a bit today about um, collaborative law as part of, as being the process that uh, couples might opt for when they're separating. Do you want to give us a bit of background on how that works? So the, the idea of is that as, as a collaborative lawyer, I'm helping my client to sort things out him or herself. And I work with a collaborative lawyer who's advising the other. Everything takes place within four-way meetings, four-way discussions, often in four-way emails, with a view to the couple sorting it out themselves, but with the support of the lawyers as much as they need it and with the support of any other professionals they may need as well. So the idea is that you're getting away from the, my client says this, my client says that, and the partisan approach of traditional litigation, and you're working together in a constructive and a conciliatory way as much as possible to sort out whatever it is we're dealing with. Okay, so when you say four-way meetings, you have the, let's say, husband and wife traditionally, and then each of those has a representative lawyer, is that right? Yes, so each of those has a collaboratively trained lawyer. So again, it's two people who are, are trying to deal with things in the same constructive way. And the idea of the traditional collaborative law route is that everyone agrees that they will deal with it either in these meetings or in the collaborative correspondence and that neither will issue an application to the court. So you are committing to try and sort things out by discussion, by agreement, and on a voluntary basis, with the idea being that at the end of the process, you have 
whether, whether it's a legally binding nuptial agreement or a legally binding financial settlement in a divorce, if that's the situation that you're working in. Okay. So are there situations that are best suited to to working through the collaborative process? Are there certain couples who fit the brief and certain couples who don't? So I think collaborative law is suitable for anyone who, first of all, wants to sort things out by agreement if at all possible, and also who is confident that both they and the other person involved is prepared and willing to compromise at the end of the day. It's not going to be suitable for someone who wants the best possible outcome for themselves or who's not prepared to listen to what the other person has to say. It's not going to be suitable for someone who, either if your client is not prepared to give full disclosure or who says that their um, ex-partner is going to hide things or, or be dishonest in, in any way because the whole purpose is that you're getting around the table and you're trying to work together to sort things out. Okay. So how somebody who's listening to this and who thinks, actually, I think this might be suitable for us, how would they go about finding a collaborative lawyer and, and what, would be, what would the steps look like? So there's various ways that you can find a collaborative lawyer. You can look on the Resolution website, and Resolution is a national association of family lawyers based all over the country. So you can find a collaboratively trained lawyer on there. In Manchester, we have the Manchester Dispute Resolution Group. Again, we've got our own website that you can find us on more locally if you're based in the northwest area. And I think the starting point is really to to find someone who is collaboratively trained and then to sit down and talk with them about what your specific situation is and to understand the options in more detail. Because it really is about, as, as a collaborative lawyer, when I meet with my clients, I'm trying to find out whether I think it's going to be beneficial for them and whether I think it's something that they would be interested in. And exploring with my client initially whether it's an option and then it's very much about seeing who the other person is going to instruct because it's not going to work if the other person is either unwilling to consider collaborative or if they've approached a solicitor who is not collaboratively trained that's usually the end of the the exploration unless they're willing to change their choice of solicitor at that stage so i do have cases where we work collaboratively but we don't deal with it in the formal collaborative process um, route. And by that, I mean, if you are really going to deal with things collaboratively, you would all sign an agreement saying that you're not going to go to court. So you're all bound by the agreement to ensure that you really are committed to making it work. Okay. So let's assume that, that everything's agreed. It looks as though you're going to be able to um, work collaboratively. What, what happens next? What are the first steps? What's the process look like? So as I say, we start with me and my clients making sure that we're happy with it. And then once I've got my clients um, buy-in, I would pick up the phone and speak to the solicitor on the other side. And again, it's exploring that they're both um, buying into the process in the same way. And then it really is about having a discussion with the solicitor to work out how we are going to structure the first joint meeting. We would normally start talking about agendas. I want an understanding of what we think the issues are likely to be and what level of support the clients are likely to need because then we can start thinking about where this is going to go. So I've had some collaborative cases where everything has been dealt with in a single meeting and we've got to the end of the process um, or the end of that meeting and we've got a clear agreement as to what's going to happen next in terms of the divorce and the finances. You want to know whether you're trying to sort it out in one meeting or whether you think there's going to be a series of meetings and we're going to need detailed disclosure and we're going to need 
the input of third parties, whether that's a family consultant or a financial, depending again on what the issues are. So it's really about managing the process from the start to avoid surprises, to avoid issues cropping up that you're not expecting or that you think are really going to create issues that, um, you know, it's always better to try and preempt these things from the start as much as possible. And then once me and the other solicitor are happy and we fed back to our clients, we, we then start with the first four-way meeting. And that's where we all get into the room. Again, we all talk about the process again to make sure that everyone's happy to proceed. We are very clear whether we're signing the participation agreement, which is this contract that I've, I've mentioned that says we are all going to remain committed to the process, or whether um, for some reason we're not ready to sign it. And again, it's all exploratory at this stage. Um, often I find it's helpful at the start of that first four-way for clients to give what's called anchor statements. And that's where you invite your client to say, why do you want to do with, deal with this collaboratively? What is it about the collaborative process that has attracted you? And, and wh where are you trying to get to at the end of it in terms of the relationship with the other person? Because that then... It does anchor the process. When things get di difficult, as they inevitably do, you can come back to, well, why are we here? Why are we trying to sort it out this way? And so I think these anchor statements can be very helpful. And then it's, it's really about starting to work through the agenda and achieving as much or as little as feels right in that first meeting. But I think the thing about collaborative is it's a very flexible process. So you really do ensure that you're working at the pace of the slowest person. Sometimes that's the, one of the couples, sometimes that's one of the lawyers, you know, depending on what the issues are. Um, but you're working at a pace that's, that feels right for everyone. Um, and you're working at the level of detail that feels right for everyone as well. So you'll have situations where one person has no idea of the finances where you have other cases where both people are completely all over the detail and they're bringing the lawyers up to speed as much as we need to be to be able to help the clients. So it's very case-specific and it's very individual and it's very flexible as a process. So to me, as a, as a um, non-lawyer, it sounds a really sensible process to go through to, to achieve a, an amicable settlement. Are there disadvantages of the collaborative route? I think the... The key one that I do tend to warn clients about is that it can be a quite expensive process because you've got two lawyers in the room. So if you're dealing with a couple who feel able to sit down and talk about things themselves, who feel that they have a, um, either enough detail of the finances or that you know, they trust the other person enough to be able to work through things together. So collaborative law is like mediation in the same, it's got the same ethos. It's, it's trying to help the couple to help themselves but you've got the two lawyers in the room. So I think cost is always a factor, but I think it's absolutely brilliant for couples who want to sort things out themselves, but they need the, the support of their individual lawyers. And there are many people who I work with who don't feel comfortable or, don't, or, or have concerns about simply going to family mediation and, and effectively feeling like they're on their own without the lawyers there, um, as the traditional family mediation model is. So that's where collaborative law is a way of helping them in the same way, but giving them the support they need and for the cases that I've dealt with it's been absolutely brilliant because they really do feel that they've gone through a uh, process that has worked it's been supportive it's it's felt right for them and it's got them to where they need to be and if you come out at the end of the process feeling like that then actually it is worth the money that has been spent on it yeah in many absolutely. ways so I think cost is a factor I think obviously then there's practical things like if you're trying to get two lawyers and two um parties in a room 
you need to be very clear about how you're managing everyone's diary. Um, and I think, you know, for, for some people, if you are in a situation where you're signing a participation agreement saying, if you, if, if the discussions break down and one of you gets to the stage where you have to issue court proceedings, the lawyers need to change. You need to go off and find a new lawyer at that stage. And that is a negative for many people, which is why people sometimes do what's called collaborative light, which is where you try and deal with things collaboratively, but you don't sign a participation agreement. But I think actually having the participation agreement in the right case is absolutely brilliant and essential because it really is the glue that binds everyone together. And it's when it does get difficult and when people are feeling that progress isn't being made, it, it gets them back to the table and it reminds them why they're here in the first place. And it, it often is the, the thing that ensures the agreement is reached rather than, for whatever reason, them going off the separate and issuing court proceedings, which is obviously what they hoped to avoid in the first place. Yeah, no, that makes that makes complete sense. Um, so when you're working collaboratively with couples, do you tend to be working on um, financial settlements for children or is it a combination of both with most people? It's a combination of both. And as I say, it's also the wealth protection side of things. So it's a perfect way to deal with nuptial agreements or cohabitation agreements as well because that's when people are still in a relationship. So you're working together with the, the people who are still very much a couple at that stage. Of course, yeah. That, that never even crossed my mind that you could do that collaboratively. Okay, that's it. That's excellent. Um, so is there anything else that I should have asked you today that you don't think that I've asked you? Um, I, I, I think for me, the way I try to deal with any client who walks through my door is really about tailoring the service and the process to that individual client. So there will be people who have heard this who think it sounds interesting, they may have concerns, they may have questions, and they may be wondering whether collaborative law or mediation is the right process for them if they want to try and sort things out. And it really is about having that discussion and about being open and, and addressing what the concerns may be, understanding what the issues are likely to be, um, and starting the process in the best possible way to give them the outcome that they would like to achieve so whether that's collaborative law whether it's mediation whether it is um one of the other options that you can look at it's about what's right for that client it's just knowing what options are out there and available to you and i think also um it seems to me that unless both parties are willing to sort things out amicably it's not going to be possible and, and you may need to go down a route that you as an individual don't necessarily uh want to go down would you agree with that Oh, sometimes, yes, but then sometimes it is just a question of timing. So, again, that's the initial discussion that I tend to have with clients. Do they need to do something straight away? Is there a reason why you'd be rushing off and going down the court route or a traditional solicitor route if it is just a matter of timing? Um, and, again, it comes back to what support they need. So the family consultants, family therapists, coaches, counsellors can be really beneficial in terms of helping people to get ready to sit around the table to talk um, or ensuring that they've got the right financial advice in place, whether it's um, you know, taking financial planning advice, whether it's mortgage advice, whether it's understanding the pensions in more detail, whatever it, whatever it may be that feels like it's a block. Um, yeah, so there, of course, there are always cases that have to litigate. There are always cases where one person wants to sort things out amicably and the other just doesn't for whatever reason. But... It's always taking that step back and saying, 
can, what can we do to help them to deal with things in a way that's constructive rather than letting it just go off down a route that your client doesn't want to happen. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sue. That's been really good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Smart Divorce podcast. If you'd like details of our guests today or of myself so you can get in touch, please check out the programme notes. Many thanks. See you again soon.